1953, a delivery boy Jimmy was selling the paper in an apartment building on 3403 Foster Avenue. A customer buying his paper had no change and asked him to break a bill for her. Jimmy didn't have enough coins either, so he knocked on some other doors looking for change. Two ladies living across from Jimmy's customer were able to break his dollar. After leaving the apartment, Jimmy played around with the coins in his hand. One of the coins, a nickel, jingled differently from the rest. Balancing the nickel on his middle finger, Jimmy found it was lighter than normal. The nickel slipped from his finger, and upon hitting the floor, it cracked open. Inside was a very tiny photograph. Welcome to One Time Pod. My name is Zinni Zhang, and I will be your host for today's episode, The Boy Who Found a Hollow Nickel. Inside Jimmy's hollow nickel was a photo of a string of numbers. Little did Jimmy know, his nickel would later become the catalyst for the takedown of a Soviet spy ring. The word about Jimmy's nickel eventually made its way from a policeman to a detective to the Federal Bureau of Investigation's New York office. The FBI agents noted the photograph contained 21 rows of 50 digits. Each row containing 50 digits was further divided into groups of five digits using spaces. The agents suspected the photo was likely an enciphered espionage message. While attempting to decipher the message, the FBI also used non-crypt analytic methods to find clues about the coin. They conducted a full investigation surrounding the coin, interviewing businesses and people in the vicinity of Foster Avenue, New York. The FBI did deduce the cipher message was typed using a foreign-made typewriter, since the FBI could not match the photograph's text to the text of any typewriters made in the U.S. Aside from non-cryptanalytic clues, for four years, from 1953 to 1957, there were no breakthroughs on the cryptanalysis front, and the message remained uncracked. How did this cipher stump the FBI and its well-funded cryptanalytic resources for four years? To understand how this unseemingly uncrackable cipher remains so, let's first investigate how the message is encoded using the microphoto cipher, which later became known as the VIC cipher. The VIC cipher involves the use of four mnemonic keys. A mnemonic device is a method used to help someone remember something. For example, using your knuckles to remember how many days there are in each month. Similarly, a mnemonic key is a keyword that can be easily remembered. For example, the Russians use a phrase from a popular song. The first step in the VIC cipher is to bisect the plain text. Bisecting means to chop the text randomly into two parts and add the true start of the message to the true end. The symbol H slash T is placed before the true start to indicate its location. Next, the plaintext letters are substituted with one or two digits. To do this, a variation of the straddling checkerboard cipher is used. Feel free to grab a piece of paper to follow along and set up your own straddling checkerboard.
Draw a grid containing three rows and ten columns. Write the numbers 0 through 9 above the grid. Next, select a keyword that is more than eight letters long and write the first eight letters of the keyword in the first row of your grid. If the keyword contains a repeated letter, only write the letter once. Omit any repetitions. Now the columns labeled with numbers 8 and 9 should be empty. Write 8 and 9 to the left of your grid, starting at the second row. Now the last two rows of your grid should be labeled 8 and 9 respectively. Fill your grid with the rest of the alphabet in alphabetical order, starting with the letter following the last letter in your keyword. Skip writing any letters that are already in the keyword. Once you reach Z, cycle back to A. Now you are ready to encipher a message. A plain text letter that is in the keyword is enciphered with the single digit above it in the checkerboard, since if you are looking at your chart, the first row has no number label. All other letters not in the keyword are enciphered as two digits, its column number followed by its row number. These single or pair of digits are called coordinates. In this variation of the straddling checkerboard, the symbol H T is included in the grid and has its own unique coordinates. Keep in mind the actual technique used in the VIC cipher is much more complicated and the grid we have just created is a simplification of the technique. Next, the sequence of numbers from the previous step is passed through two transposition charts. A transposition cipher scrambles the sequence of numbers so the numbers in the ciphertext are unchanged but their positions are changed. This means that the number of possible scramblings of a ciphertext is the number of digits in the ciphertext factorial. For example, let us assume the numbers you generated from the previous step are 1, 2, and 3. In the first position, you have three possibilities to choose from. In the second position of your scrambled text, you have two numbers to choose from. And in the last position, you only have one choice, which is whatever number you did not already use. This gives us 3 times 2 times 1 possible scrambled arrangements. The first transposition cipher used is a variation of a columnar transposition cipher. A keyword is chosen and written at the top of the paper. Let's use the keyword Victor, which is six letters long. This means there are six columns. Then the series of numbers from the previous step are written from left to right, placing one letter in each column. Once the row is filled, begin filling the next row. Then the columns are rearranged in alphabetical order. In our example, the word would be rearranged to read C-I-O-R-V-T. Then the cipher text is read from left to right, top to bottom. In the VIC cipher, there is a variation from a normal columnar transposition cipher. The cipher text is extracted from the transposition table by reading each column, top to bottom then moving right to read the next column. This series of numbers is then copied into another transposition chart, this time with another variation of the transposition cipher. Again, the numbers remain unchanged, but their positions are changed. 
The ciphertext is then extracted from the second chart and arranged into groups of five digits, and the encryption is complete. 72535940818233 Keep in mind the encryption process described is a simplified version of the VIC cipher, which contains more nuances, giving its reputation of the most complex hand-operated cipher ever seen. So how is it possible to solve this impossible cipher? While the FBI did not find out until Lieutenant Colonel of the Soviet State Security Service, Reino Heihanen came along. His codename was Victor, which is where the name of the cipher comes from. He had served as a Russian spy in the US and he dreaded returning to his communist homeland. He wanted to abandon his country, so he phoned the United States Embassy in Paris and later arrived to be interviewed. The FBI continued to conduct extensive interviews with Heihanen. He revealed not only the workings of the VIC cipher, but he also exposed Russian codes and crypto systems. Using their new intelligence, the FBI was able to crack the hollow nickel message. In reality, the cryptanalysis did not break the cipher because they knew the keywords, so they replicated the system in reverse. It is possible to break the cipher without knowing the key, but you would require a large amount of ciphertext and a computer to run through billions of trials similar to the way the British broke Enigma, a cipher machine used by the Germans in World War II with about 150 million million possible settings. Even if you knew how the cipher worked, cracking a single message would be next to impossible. The VIC cipher is not susceptible to a common cryptanalytic method called frequency analysis. Frequency analysis is relating the frequency a number appears in the ciphertext to the frequencies of the English alphabet. For example, if the number 31 appeared the most in the ciphertext, you might guess 31 is the most common letter in the English alphabet, E. This method doesn't work with the VIC cipher, because the frequencies of the letters are evened out by the straddling checkerboard. The crypt analyst is not able to divide the ciphertext into pairs of digits and assume each pair represents a plain text letter, since there is a random combination of singletons and pairs that can represent one plain text letter. There are also no other clues to decrypt the messages other than running each possible trial through a computer. Another advantage worth noting of the VIC cipher is the final keys used for encryption are derived from four easily remembered keywords. Spies do not need to write down the keys, thus the keys are more secure. The VIC cipher partially obeys Kirchhoff's principle which states a crypto system should be secure, even if everything about the system except the key is public knowledge. Knowing the cipher system does allow you to crack the VIC cipher, under the assumption you have a large volume of ciphertext. However, the VIC cipher is an exception to Kirchhoff's principle when the ciphertext is short. You could have a 10-digit long message. You could know the system and still not be able to crack the message. This is because the security of the VIC cipher also depends on the method of sending ciphertext. It is hard to get your hands on a large volume of ciphertext enciphered with the same key because 1. Each spy and his or her handler has their own set of keys and 2. The Soviet spies would hide their messages in hollowed out pencils, screws, batteries, and coins. 
It can be argued the VIC cipher is an exception to Kirchhoff's principle because the communication system of using dead drops to exchange ciphertext and the fact that each handler spy pair uses a unique key reduces the volume of intercepted ciphertext and increases the cipher security. This extraordinary hand-generated cipher eventually allowed the U.S. to arrest and imprison Russian spy Colonel Rudolf Ivanovich Abel, a Hannon's handler. The U.S. government was able to exchange Abel for the life of an American pilot who was a prisoner of the Soviet Union, an outcome Jimmy probably would have never expected from dropping his nickel. Thank you for tuning into today's podcast. This is your host, Zinni Zang, and the boy who found a hollow nickel.